to be on this stitch. I'm Veronica from Litany NYC and I'm your host. Today we're going to talk to Lillian Fallon about style, fashion, theology, modesty, just all wonderful things. Fashion industry, our experiences with it, how we can make it a healthier place for people who buy things, people who work in it, um, and how you can express your soul through your clothing. Um, so we're already buddies, so you're going to get a very fun, rowdy episode today. And thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram at Lillian underscore Fallon. Um, and if you just Google my name, I write articles. So you can either find fashion articles or like random dating advice articles or like being school articles at um on like Grotto Network or Catholic Match. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can read my stuff there. Okay. So here I ask Lily what she thinks the fashion industry should start or stop doing. And we have a, just, just, just listen. It's great. Mm, it's so hard. Cause I'm like, I'm pretty critical about like the fashion industry, you know, very much a proponent for sustainable ethical fashion. I think that that's become much more mainstream and kind of like a given now in like that we should all be pushing these companies to have, you know, sustainable business models. Um, and I guess like aside from that, which to me seems obvious, so I won't like go into like a ton because I think that a lot of people have like, we like know, we like, we know that we need to be better with the um, the tran- transparency of brands. But um, I guess I think that it's so hard because I know that fashion industry, the fashion industry itself exists to perpetuate itself in a lot of ways where like they need to make these, they need to create trends so that people keep on buying some them, them so that they can create another collection. Which, so then they can keep on making clothes. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I really don't like how the fashion industry really tells people what you have to buy and what you must like and that it's just because my experience in working in it like not so much at Verily but when I was with that like designer collection that I was helping out with um they uh yeah like I was just like this is so silly like this industry just exists to continue itself and it's the excess of wealth I would say is a problem like I did a sample sale with them um, and women would just come in and they were like, obviously like Upper East Side type women with like super rich husbands. And they, all they talked about was like, you know, their vacations in Greece and their destination weddings. And while they're just like, oh, this is $3,000. Oh my gosh. Great. Like I have to get that. Oh, and I have to get that. That's $8,000. Oh my gosh. Okay. And I was just, and like, look, people can do what they want with their money. Um, I that that's fine. That's great. But like, to me, I'm just like looking around. It's like all of these like white women who are living on the Upper East Side. And I was like, does this industry just exist to serve these people? Every it seems to me like every woman who I encountered of like, sort of power or status in the fashion industry were always like small, skinny, white, blonde women. I was like, how is it that like this industry, which is so creative and creates such beautiful, diverse clothing is run by um, like a very small 
it was so silly. I was like, I feel like a plus size person in here. And I'm like, I'm not like, but it's great. Like I love plus size people. Um, of course, like everybody in there is like vaping nonstop because they don't want to eat their meals. They'd rather vape, um, which is such a stupid stereotype of the fashion industry, but that's real. We're just vaping all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, like it seemed to me that also that group of people wasn't like that talented and wasn't that creative. And it just seemed like a lot of things are just being handed. Like, I mean, that's a very broad generalization that I just made, which is probably, it's probably unfair of me, but based on my experience of like talking to these individuals, it was very much like they came from wealthy families. They had the connections to work at Vogue. They had the connections to these designers, which then turned into jobs. It was, it was, yeah. And then the people who were really working hard behind scenes, they were people who worked their asses off and got to got to where they are and they were the ones who really had the power in the label but weren't getting the recognition there's this woman and i'm not gonna like say names or whatever the brand was blah, blah, blah. i mean people could figure it out yeah people could figure it out if they like went in my instagram but um <laughs> the woman who was like the backbone of this brand she like did everything she was she did everything and the designers would kind of just like roll in when they wanted to. And they like made like creative decisions and stuff, but she was the one who was putting in the work. And, and then I find out later she was doing a lot of design stuff. She was choosing fabrics. When I was, I was talking to her, I was like, Oh my gosh, I love this. Like from the, you know, spring, summer, blah, blah, blah. I, this fabric like blew my mind. She was like, Oh yeah, I picked that. And I was like, you pick what? I was like, huh? And then, and like, I don't know how their company worked. I don't know if she got more money or whatever, but I got the overall impression that they were kind of like not super pleased with how things were going. And um, she doesn't work there anymore. Um, but like, I could not believe that like she, she was the person who was like running the show truly. And she wasn't getting like design credit. But like, yeah, I, I wish that the kind of like gossip girly um approach of fashion like I just don't think that we're in that like we're just like not living in that culture anymore like we've moved past this hierarchy yeah and where like the upper echelon like we're creating labels only for the upper echelon and like those items don't really need to be that expensive and when I was in that environment, like the conversations were pretty much just between these people would always just be like, what famous people do you know? And like, who, who is, what vacation are you going on? And like, it was just very much this just pure social status stuff. It's also so different though. Cause, and I, and in my book, I talk a bit about like fashion has so many different definitions. Cause we have like couture which we should really regard as artwork. And basically like, it's the same as like walking through a gallery, but you might not necessarily, it's, but couture is not something that you need to wear every day. Or like most of the time you never need to wear unless you are going to the Met Gala. Um, and it, and because of the hard work that is put into it, like the, I believe that there is a place for couture because there's always going to be a place for art in our culture and art is good and leads people to contemplate the divine. And I think that that can extend to, um, the sartorial, but, um, well then you have 
the fashion industry, which is kind of like the devil wears Prada idea of fashion and um, just the very like social statusy thing of like the woman in New York who's like drinking cocktails on a rooftop and she's living that life. And it's, that's and then like trends are being made like Vogue is saying you have to wear this, you have to wear this. And then that's where it's like, you know, ready to wear, ready to wear stuff that is still very expensive. And that caters more so towards the wealthy, um, which like whatever is fine. Like people can, people can make their stuff for whoever, but like my, for me, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be part of that. (laughs) The idea of having fit in and be relevant and stuff is just like, not for, for me. And I mean, that's what I experienced when I was in New York. I started dressing like everybody else and I had like a f- identity crisis. I was like, who am I? And then I stopped dressing at fast fashion stores. And because so like, it's funny because you have like ready to wear fashion, which will be like designer labels. But then the fast fashion companies are like, okay, well, like, let's rip off their stuff. And now let's basically like enslave people in factories in other countries. Um and uh, and then we're telling all the world that they have to dress a certain way in order to fit in, that everybody needs to look like this. Like, there's just so many tiers of fashion. And I'm, like, good. I love couture. I think that's really cool. But it's, like, couture. And then I love, like, personal style-driven fashion. So, yeah. Okay. So one of the things that I love about what Lily talks about with modesty is the sense of respect of self. And I think oftentimes we're told that women who don't dress in a certain modest way don't respect themselves and that if they respected themselves, they would dress modestly. But we really, I think girls just want to look cute. And there's no sense of like, that girl doesn't respect herself because she's not dressing in X, Y, and Z way. But rather that our, how, what we think is cute has been formed by the community that we grow up, grow up in the zeitgeist of what's beautiful, what's alluring, what's attractive. And as young girls, we're already exposed to this kind of stuff. And so our sense of what is cute and beautiful and what will make us feel confident is formed by this kind of stuff. And I don't think the fashion industry really puts any effort towards getting us to like actually consider where these things are coming from and whether we really believe in the values at the basis of these understandings of beauty and what's attractive. Um, because honestly, it uses that to sell stuff to us and it breeds insecurity and has us looking at ourselves from the outside. Um, and it's a lot easier to sell things to people through insecurity um, rather than giving them something to support their confidence. Um, so yeah. We just wanted to put that in there. We don't think that girls who don't dress in a certain way don't respect themselves because they 100% do. And uh, that is BS. And that's all. Okay. Back to the combo. Oh, goodness. Okay. So I feel like my perspective on modesty is like polarizing on like both sides of. So, like in Catholic circles, I really hate modesty culture. And it's not so much the like intent behind modesty, which is like to dress with dignity. It's the whole culture surrounding it, which is like very shaming and um, kind of spins a very negative perspective on the body. So like I feel like I and I, I go into this in my book um, where I talk about like the word modesty to me doesn't make 
any sense to apply to the body and the way that women dress. Cause it's like, why would you tell a beautiful like flower or sunset or something that is of beauty to be modest with it? We don't, it's, it's beautiful. So we should celebrate it. Um, highlight that beauty. And I think that with modesty, it implies that like negativity, like be modest, like hide. Um, and that that can really just create um, a toxic, negative perspective of the human body. Um, whereas, um, so cute. I love your little kitty cat. A little cameo. Um, whereas for me, so my whole thing is that I want to introduce the idea of having reverency towards the body as opposed to any modesty. Cause I just like, and modesty is just because reverence, reverence has like a positive spin on it. Like, I, I don't know how else to say that. I, um, it has like a pot, just like it's positive. Like I have reverence towards my body. Therefore I'm going to dress it as such. Um, and it does having reverence towards your body also, allows for that perspective of the wholeness of the person that you're a body and soul hylomorphic being. Um, whereas modesty almost like limits it to your body and is like be modest of your body because your body is going to lead people to sin. And it, I think that it, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with the mentality that a lot of Christians or Catholics have that actually is also equally objectifying of the body where like, it's just on the same spectrum. It's like you can have people who objectify the body and it's like, oh, this body is purely a sexual object for use. So show it off. Whereas hyper, hyper modesty is like, this is a sexual object for you. So hide it. So like I see two extremes um, and both are, can have very unhealthy perspectives of the body and, and just the whole person. And so um, I'm not advocating for, you know, dressing um, in a way that degrades your dignity. But I also think that a, a woman's sexuality is very much tied to her beauty. And like she was made that way. Like her, our sexuality is also beautiful. Um, so I, and I think that sometimes in super, super modest circles, there's that like, let's erase feminine beauty and in erasing or like, no, no, I should say let's erase feminine sexuality and in doing so erase feminine beauty. But I think that there is a way to honor and have pay reverence towards female sexuality that is not a way that's like exploiting it. Um, and I mean, like if you think about like, I, I hate how like anytime people talk about like style icons, they always go back to Audrey Hepburn or like Grace Kelly. But like, those are the people who do come to do yeah what yeah <laughs> right yes but what, when you think about like those um those like style icons like if you think about grace kelly like she was such a example of like feminine beauty and like she wore things that flattered her body she wore things that emphasized her curves but she's not regarded in this way of being like, um, you know, like she's, she's, she's still upheld in people's minds as a very dignified woman. And she was also beautiful and also wore clothes that weren't like covering her every single inch of her body. So 
Um, I think that like in some Catholic circles, my perspective on like, let's reframe the modesty conversation. And, and I, I think that when people like all the freaking modesty talks and like, it's addressing a symptom of a greater problem, like modesty talks and telling women that they're being immodest and having like, let's have those confrontations. Like you see your sister in Christ and she's dressing. Yeah. 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 You like, you see your sister in Christ and she's wearing booty shorts. Like you have to tell her that she is being immodest and she's leading men to sin. Like the, why she's dressing that way is because she has a very fractured understanding of her worth and her identity in Christ. And so you need to talk to her and address the fact that she is made in the image of God and really encourage her to like learn that um, and walk with her along that journey because dressing with reverence to your body comes from knowing that you're made in the image. Like it comes naturally. The times in my life, anytime I'm dressing a little bit, like a little showing things off, you know, mm-hmm, when I'm dressing a little spicy, um, it's, in a time where I feel like my worth only comes from how I look and that I need affirmation from men in order to affirm my worth. It's always times when I've lost my idea, my, my sense of self-worth. So we need to be educating these girls and women as well. Um, what it really means to be made in the image of God and really what your worth is and not just saying it like you have worth, you have infinite worth. Like what the heck does that even mean? Um, we need to like do workshops. We need to have those, have those conversations where we point out to them, like, you know, the catechism or Bible verses that are like, this is, you are a child of God. So, um, instead of shaming and being like, you're dressing immodestly and you're leading other people to sin. I went to a dance when I was a teenager, I was like 15 and I was wearing a modest dress. Like I'm not, I'm not, saying it in a way of like, I was so modest. And I was like wearing like a rubber band. Um, (laughs) I was, I knew that there were modesty guidelines and I was like, okay, I really got to make sure shoulders are covered. Things up to my neck, all past my knees. And I guess um, when I spun, the skirt went up a little bit so that my knee was show, showed a little bit, but it wasn't like a spinny skirt. Yeah. And the woman took me aside and was like, there are priests and boys here. And she made me change. Like she had a bag. Yeah, she had a bag full of clothes. And I had to re-enter this party in something entirely different or I had to leave. And it was the first time that like I saw myself as a sexual object. Yeah, it was because somebody was telling me that there were priests potentially looking at me, grown men. And I was like 15 and it's like people like that, they they get the sense of like self-righteousness of like, I'm, you know, telling these young girls and blah, 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 blah. it's like they, they gives these girls these complexes and it's like, well, my body is bad. Like I, I'm sinful, like just as I am, like my body is something that is sinful and I'm uh, potentially leading people into sin. Like that's a lot, like that's, that's just like not right to put on um, young girls. And we have to be having those conversations about where your worth comes from so that that pours out of you in every way. Like when, when in the past, when people have talked to me about modesty, like that's what they always ask. Like I rarely write about modesty, but every time you're associated in Catholic circles as somebody who writes about style or fashion, they always like latch on this modesty title And I'm like, I never talk about modesty. Like, 
it's funny. Like maybe like twice I've talked about modesty, but people are always like, Lily, you should write about modesty. <laughs> um, but I always say to them, I'm like, look, modesty is something that pours out of you when you know your worth and God. And like the more that I knew that, the more my style just like reflected it. Like it wasn't something where I was like, oh, I really want to wear this like super, super short skirt and this tube top. And I just feel like I have to put on more, put more fabric on my body. It was something that like, I didn't even like, wasn't even attracted to that like anymore. Um, and, uh, yeah. Also, also, I think that in, in terms of extreme modesty, like sometimes like showing, oh my goodness, like you're showing a shoulder, you're showing a knee, like not every part of your body is going to, yeah, is sexual. (laughs) Like there's like, we've got to get past that too. So anyway, I feel like that was such a insane, like answer because like there'll be, there'll be people in fashion world who don't agree with me on having like reverence for his body and it'll be like check sexual freedom wear whatever you want wearing bearing your body to everybody is a sign of empowerment like this so they would disagree with me on my take on having reverence for your body but then in catholic circles i think that they might find my opinions more controversial in terms of like we need to rebrand modesty culture um so so yeah that's what i <laughs> long long-winded answer so thanks so much for hanging on for our 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 spliced together episode. <laughs> we'll be having Lily back sometime soon, um, and you will actually be able to hear the banter this time because we will make sure that my side of the audio also saves. Um, it was so great having you for this episode of Beyond the Stitch. Um, we'll have all of Lily's info in the show notes so you can check her out. And our music is done by Trish Vega. Editing is done by Doug Cool. Doug, you did an amazing job this week. <laughs> Thank you for your patience with me. Thank you guys for your patience with us. Um, we're figuring this out as we go, and we're so glad that you're here with us while we do. Um, we hope you all have an absolutely amazing week. <laughs>